Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And this is the final stack of 2020. It's the last one, everybody. No more comic book reviews after this. Until next year. Or next week. Yeah, it's it's like a week away. Like, what are you doing? No, (laughs) but it's a different... We're going to be different people then. We're going to have different ideas. We're going to... What? Comics are going to be different, man. 2021? They're probably all going to come on your computer. I'm going to be very (laughs) political. Oh, that's a fresh take. Thank oh, you. Wow. Well, uh, here's something that is don't. not political. Actually, I guess maybe kind of it is. Uh, but let's kick it off with Batman Annual Number 5 from DC Comics by James Tyne IV and James Stoko. Uh, so this is the origin of Clown Hunter. Here we get a story of Liz Hopkins yes! and Clown Hunter. A little bit of Batman in it, uh, but pretty much a flashback after his experiences backing off from killing Harley Quinn. Though this was a great story, and particularly oh. just the collaboration between James Tynan and James Stoko was great. The art the- in this book was excellent. Just a really f- fun story. We've seen a lot of Clown Hunter lately. Like, a lot. Yeah. Um, so, um, to go back into this, I was like, oh, more? But to get the backstory and in such, with such a, a great, fresh art look, like, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I really like the way the counselor talked to Clown Hunter and Batman. Like when she uh, said that Batman is smart. Oh, I laughed. That was just fun. Uh, Yeah, it's great to get this kind of like uh, origin story. It makes a lot more sense now with everything. Um, I would have liked this a little bit sooner, but I'm very happy that we got it. Justin, you talk about this a lot, but what James Tynan has been trying to do, seemingly, is add a lot of wrinkles to the Batman mythos with Clown Hunter, uh, with Ghost uh, Maker. Yeah, Ghost Maker. <laughs> yep. Ghost Maker. Classic character, clearly made a big impression on me, uh, as well as just his take on Harley and the Joker and other things. Uh, and that really starts to pay off here, I think, in a nice way. It definitely makes me engendered to the character quite a bit more. 
Let's move on and talk about Wolverine number eight from Marvel, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Adam Kubert and Victor Bogdanovich. This is, I believe, the 350th Adventure of Wolverine. And finally, they're over. This is it. This is the last Adventure of Wolverine uh, after 350. As he promised in his first appearance back in Incredible Hulk, he said, hey, bub, 350 times and I'm done. Yeah, now that's it. I'm going to be, I'm going to replace Professor X someday, he said, as he fought the Hulk. <laughs> uh, Pete, what do you think about this issue? Did this hold up to the immense leg- legacy of Wolverine? Uh, no, but it uh, was, there was, we kind of got like different stories here. Um, some of them more enjoyable than others, but I did uh, very much enjoy uh, a lot of the action and the one where like Wolverine's like punching this face in the water. That was great. Very enjoyable. It's a good way to kind of talk to people. I'm very excited for how it ended though. I'm, uh, I don't know if we should do spoilers or not, but uh, I'm excited. For no, we don't really do spoilers on this podcast after the comics have already come out. Yeah, of course you can go. All right, fine. Um, I'm excited for patch patch to be back and to get more patch patch uh, Adams. N- well, Rob Williams, rest in peace, you fucking legend. Uh, uh, but uh, not that patch. I'm talking about the old uh, Wolverine patch. So very cool. Um, it is interesting to touch on so much of the Wolverine um, legacy, as you said, Alex. Uh, I, in this Reading this book made me want to see a series that is literally just like sort of time dashing through different Wolverine eras and telling telling us some stories we haven't heard yet because I feel like we get Wolverine showing up in the present day areas where he had all this history and he's like ah shit I gotta deal with this the son of this person I killed uh, or something and like I want to it made me want to see more stories throughout the Wolverine's 350 issue long history I really like, uh, I believe Benjamin Percy invented him, the CIA character that Wolverine is hanging out with. He just feels like a very different character interacting with Wolverine where he's not a super spy. He's just a member of the CIA. He's mostly hanging out in his backyard and he's really just there for uh, Wolverine to have somebody to sound off of. And that's it. He's not a mutant. Um, that's great. There's something really involving about that relationship that feels fresh and new. Uh, and I like that quite a bit. Like the issues where it's just them talking. Very cool. A lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I disagree with you. That's what I was talking about when it wasn't Joe. But uh, you do get some really great kind of classic Wolverine moments. There's like a big splash page where he's like, uh, he's kind of coming through a window with his claws out. He's like, I got a dog in this fight. You don't like CAA guy, Pete? No, no, I don't like CIA. Can I posit something about you? I think if they were sitting in a bar, you would like it a lot more than if they're sitting in a backyard. Well, I very much enjoy the backyard drinking. That's all we can do right now. We can't really go in bars. It's not, the bar thing isn't really uh, what, it was just kind of like the way the CIA guy was that I didn't trust him or I didn't think he was. Uh, Wolverine should be chatting with him. It seemed like Wolverine's too busy to stop for a beer at that moment. It's like I always say, a, a backyard is just a bar without a pool table. I always say that. Nailbiter Returns, number eight from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Mike Henderson. We get some big revelations to this issue about the game that has been going on since these fake 
uh, and real serial killers. Uh, and uh, we get a big flashback to Nailbiter's origin story, or at least I guess before his origin story. Um, I I say this every issue. I love how they're fleshing out and adding to this mythology. Uh, it's just fun. It's gross. Uh, it plays on one of my biggest fears about poking out eyeballs. Ugh, that are the I, right that's way. all I could think about. I have such oh, a, I I don't have a lot of like picky fears, but falling down and having my eyeball catch on the oh, edge of a sharp table stop! is a big one. It's a big one for me, like tripping oh. randomly and then boop, corner of a table. I just, I just a, want to note this for the person who does uh, transcripts on our podcast. Please put in everybody cringed when Justin said. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, also, an umbrella spoke going into my eye. Uh, Nail butter is great. I mean, it, it should have been in our kind of like top list of the year for sure. It's, oh, here we go. But uh, it's one of those things where I'm really impressed with the storytelling of this book. Like they do, they did a really amazing job of put, like getting a lot of action in the front and like slowly rolling out the story. This is issue eight and we're kind of getting the origin story. That's kind of crazy, but it really works in this world. It's the action and the intensity are so over the top, but the story is very interesting, which is impressive. And, uh, you know, the characters and the grossness and the fact that we're reacting so much to a comic book really says a lot about how well they do creating this world and sucking us all into it and kind of making a part of it. It's so creepy. And I can't believe that like, this is just the tip of the iceberg for their plans to come. I can't wait to read more. This is such an intense over the top book. Really well done. Let's go on and talk about Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Dark Knight's Metal Number 1 from DC Comics, story by Scott Snyder, Jack Lansing, and Colin Kelly, written by Jack Lansing and Colin Kelly, pencils by Carl Mostert. Uh, it's appropriate that this book is about the Joker Dragon, because this is the most Ouroboros snake-eating-its-own-tail book that DC yeah. has maybe ever done. It's insane. It is a version of the Dark Multiverse where the heroes lost Dark Knight's metal that is being reflected because of Dark Knight's death metal that we're getting to see this. Uh, I went into this very trepidatious. I was not sure about this idea at all, but I think it paid off really nicely. I like this a bit, and shockingly, I think it actually has repercussions for the future of the DC universe in a big way that was very surprising. Yeah, I really love this book. I was surprised. It, it Dark Metal keeps turning it up and turning it up. And I, I like the hilarious Dick Grayson shredding on the guitar and then having a kryptonite pick. That was insane. The very Joker fun. Dragon was awesome. This is just so much fun completely over the top i this is just great i like seeing duke take such a, a prominent place in the dc universe like yeah. a character that that i felt like was created and then occupied this weird place where it, he's a was a robin who became this new character who had metahuman abilities which is something that really hasn't been touched upon in the bat family so it felt like he slipped into this sort of middle place. And to see him back here um, as a focus and still sort of as a, a Bat character while still carving out his own place, I really liked. 
Yeah, good book. Uh, and definitely pick it up. Next up, The Amazing Spider-Man number 55 from Marvel, written by Nick Spencer, art by Patrick Gleason. We are continuing and maybe wrapping up the uh, Last Remains storyline uh, involving Harry Osborn. Seems like maybe we're moving on with something different next issue. But nothing is resolved here, necessarily. No. Uh, and I gotta be honest, I like this issue. I'm still willing to follow them, but we're getting to the point where I really need some answers or they're going to lose me. Oh. Personally, yeah. to, to be honest. Um, I, I agree with you. Like, I do think this has been, this character has been one, uh, This I guess we can say it's Harry Osborn at this point. Yeah. It yeah. seems like it just is. Um, has been held over our heads for every issue up to this point, right? For 54 issues, basically. Um, and we were getting, it just feels like we're not getting the whole thing. And I don't know why. Because if you read this sort of by itself, it's like, oh, I see this villain has um, captured Peter Parker and all of his friends and is going to kill them slowly and Peter Parker has to get away. Um, but it does feel like there's a missing piece that sort of really binds everything together. Um, and I, I'm, to your point, sick of the coyness associated with it, uh, especially when, like, the Sin Eater storyline before this was so good and felt like such a great standalone story. I want to have that feeling about this issue or this series, is, uh, this arc as well. This is just uh, a little too intense for me for Spider-Man. Like the pack, uh, the part where Spider-Man shoots his webbing through somebody's head and out the back of their skull was just like, holy shit. Uh, I didn't think I would ever see that in a Spider-Man comic. I, I think uh, uh, sometimes Nick Spencer is a little bit more of a shock factor. Um, and uh, it's, I don't know, it's it's pulling me out of the story a little bit if uh, it doesn't feel like a Spider-Man comic, even though it's obviously dealing with Spider-Man and all the friends and all that stuff. Also, the MJ stuff in here was weird, but maybe that's just because I'm, you know... I have MJ issues in Spider-Man right now. I liked MJ being such a badass in this issue, though. Like, she really is the hero. Yeah, she really does kind of, like, step up and and kind of be like, all right, asshole, what the fuck is your deal? All right, I'll throw one theory out at you about Amazing Spider-Man and what's going on that I feel like is kind of obvious, but I'm not sure that they're going to go for it. And I thought they were going to go for it in this issue based on what they said, and then they didn't. Uh, Is this because of one more day like did this happen? i thought that too i thought yeah, we were gonna what... find out what mj whispered to mephisto and we were gonna get that it has something to do with it and that's and what i thought too and then it didn't it or change it because there's the whole thing about mj saying no peter doesn't remember uh yeah. harry doing a toast and saying brand new day yeah that was the part that i was like oh shit when that got to the middle of the issue and then they didn't follow up on it. So that I think is to me is the thing where it feels like, like you were saying, Justin, you got to stop being coy about it. Just get to whatever it is and let us know. And hopefully that happens next issue. Yeah. And I will say the way this issue ends makes me think they could still go that way. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. They're definitely toying with our emotions in this for sure. 
next up, Monstrous Talk Stories, number two from Image Comics, written by Marjorie Liu, illustrated by Sinek Takeda. Um, I think we were unilaterally loved the first issue of this, which was, as the title implies, uh, merely a story uh, showing the past of some of the characters in the present day of Monstrous. This tells another story of those characters' past, and it's as gorgeous and lovely and sweet and winsome. Lush. Lush is a great adjective. Uh, great story. Yeah, it's it's not just a story, though. It's a talk story. Okay. Oh, thanks, <laughs> Wow, Somebody's telling somebody else the story. A talk story, uh, that's basically a podcast. Oh, weird. Uh, but yeah, I can see why this is Zelda. Hey, what's favorite. up, everybody? This is Monstrous. We're sponsored this week by Blue Apron. Blue Apron. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see why this is Zel- one of Zelda's favorite uh, picks, because it's got some like uh, creepy, furry shit in here. But uh, that aside... You know me. Yeah, you're you're a perv. <laughs> oh, I thought uh, you were gonna I, define. I thought you were gonna define yourself when you said that. <laughs> you know me? Question mark. <laughs> I, I like to leave an air of mystery yeah. for our listeners. Yeah, but uh, the art alone is just glorious. It's uh, it's really uh, just fantastic. Jumps right off the page and is is worth it. It's super dreamy uh, in a good way. Like I feel like this uh sort of plays a little bit like a prequel but the sort of dreamy look of the art makes it feel like someone one of the characters is remembering this or dreaming it which i think you don't really see in a lot of comics i thought that was cool yeah good issue and good two issue series even if you haven't necessarily been reading the book uh next up dark knight's death metal the last 52 war of the multiverse is number one from dc comics written by Joshua Williamson and Scott Snyder, Magdalene Visaggio, James Town of the Fourth, Kyle Higgins, Regine Sawyer, Che Grayson, Marguerite Bennett, Matthew Rosenberg, and Justin Jordan. Art by Dexter Soy, Scott Koblish, Alex Malieve, Scott Collins, Anita Martinez, Pop Mon, Inaki Miranda, Rob Gilroy, and Mike Henderson. This is a bunch of stories that take place simultaneously with the end of Dark Knight's Death Metal as all of the multiverses are all fighting together. Uh, as usual, it's a mixed bag. Some are good, some are fine. Uh, but what jumped out at you? What did you particularly like about this issue? Uh, I really like Bergie's story, uh, Matt Rosenberg. Uh, the Armageddon Blues was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I just uh, some like really cool, amazing art. Uh, yeah, but you know, some of the story is not as good. But I, uh, there was some great stuff in there. I agree with you. I really liked the. Um the Rosenberg story, which featured uh, Constantine and dark Constantine, like yeah. becoming two friends. Constantines. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I just don't know why one Constantine would trust the other one when they're pouring the drinks. I was like, come on, if you're really a Constantine, uh, to give you the you conceit of the know. story, everybody is meaning their dark multiverse opposites yeah. who they're the worst version of themselves. And Constantine, the version he meets himself is basically indistinguishable from himself. Yeah. And it's, fun yeah, they just had get a drink <laughs> in the oblivion bar and hang out compare notes it's a good time i also really like the story right before that um by marguerite bennett and anaka miranda which was a penguin focused story which felt oh, like yeah. super specific and good and horrifying in a great way yeah uh good stuff i think a good collection better than i expected uh and definitely if you've been enjoying dark knight's death battle a good thing to pick up Next up, Avengers number four from Marvel by Jason Aaron and Javier Garan. This is kicking off the Phoenix storyline in earnest. Justin, what do you think? You were into this. Our very I, own JT Sizz. 
let me handle this one, guys. All um, right. Yeah, I like this a lot. I feel like Jason Aaron has really cornered the market on these fun, high-stakes Avenger stories that take a, a premise and just, like, lay it on the table and then just really amp it all the way up and tell us these, like, wild stories focusing on the different Avengers dealing with, in this case, the Phoenix Force. Like, we had all the great Ghost Rider stuff before this, um, the vampire stuff before that, like... I've been really enjoying these runs. They're a little bit lighter than you might expect the Avengers to be, but it's great. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, art is glorious. It's it's just kind of like a great kind of jumping on point for this kind of like big thing that's happening. But I like how even though it's huge, there's a lot of fun, like really small, cool moments. And I also love when Captain America has downtime, he's just punching shit. Just working yeah. shit out. I, you got to respect that, man. That's just great. Yeah, I like this. This is fun. I mean, there's not much going on here in terms of innovation, but it's Doctor Doom versus Captain America, and that's a good time, you know? Yeah, it's fun. Uh, next up, Lost Soldiers, number five from Image Comics by Alicia Cott and Luca Casalanguido. Uh This is, I think, the last issue of this. We've checked in a couple of issues here. Uh, gorgeous. Gorgeous book is so good in this book, especially the last sort of run, the last sequence going to the end. Really, just a great combination of words and text while bringing the story together. This, uh, sorry, uh, words and pictures while bringing the story together. Really well done. Yeah, um, uh, you know, uh, Squida. Uh, you know, I know we kind of it's tough, you know, with the name or whatever, but just wanted to kind of point that out. Uh, sorry um, about that. Yeah, yeah, uh, Thanks, but Pete. yeah. Hey, um, Pete, I'm glad you never get names wrong and you're always here to correct Oh, no, no, I'm not. No, no, no. Zell, but I am not attacking you on that. I am awful. You son names. of a bitch. Um, oh, wow. I knew we'd I'm break up eventually. To help but here, you know, the on this, the precipice of 2021, <laughs> our year, the year we always said was going to be our year. I'm just trying to look out for We had stuff. that 15-year plan. Exactly. Yeah. Textbook. Yeah. We've hit every mark. <laughs> Uh, but this is like so creepy in a lot of different ways. Um, I I kind of had to read it a couple times to really try to get what was happening. Um, it's very intense. Um, I, I it's really well done, um, but it's really just very moving and uh, oh, it's just it, it shakes you a little bit. Good stuff. Uh, let's move on and talk about the Ginny Hex special number one from DC Comics, written by Magdalene Visaggio, art by Gleb Melnikov. Uh, this is focusing on a character, I don't know if it was created by Brian Michael Bendis, but certainly he wrote it over in his Young Justice book. Uh, this is a descendant of Jonah Hex, who lives in the modern day. In this book, she is dealing with the resurgence of an old villain. Um, I loved this book. I thought this was yeah. such a fun story. Uh, and I was very surprised to find out the art was by Gleb Melnikov instead of Herberto Ramos, because I thought it was Herberto Ramos for a good portion yeah. of the book. It was not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just a fun mashup of Western story and magic uh, and uh, just the positivity of the Ginny Hex character is infectious over the course of the pages. I agree. I want to see more from this character. I had a hard time with this. Uh, I, the art, I agree, is unbelievable. Uh, it's an interesting story, but the problem I had was this 
doesn't feel like someone who's related to Jonah Hex in any way. I Can wanted I, her to be. You wanted her to have a piece of skin connecting her top no, and her bottom. Bit. No, <laughs> I wanted her personality to be uh, kind okay. of like a little gruff, not trust yeah. people as much, you know, like kind of feel a little bit like Jonah Hex. Give me that relation. But she was very sunny and nice. And I'm like, that doesn't feel like a hex to me. Like a fresh but, take, you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I understand, like, hey, let's change the character, maybe make them a little bit more approachable. Cool, but you got hex on the last name, so I want to see some grit. I want to see, you know, uh, a little bit meaner type of person that you maybe see not a, trusting You want to see a piece of skin connect the grittiness to Stop the, saying uh, the skin. The skin's not the character. <laughs> Like a googly I mean, eye. It you kind of a googly is. eye. It's kind of the character. If you're, I were to name four things about Jonah Hex, I think three of them would be his the one side of his face. <laughs> oh my. I read a lot of Jonah Hex. I love Jonah Hex, so I was I was had a lot of high hopes for this. I think it's great. I do want more of this, but I hope the more we get, the more we kind of find out a little bit darker stuff about how many any. how many times have you watched the Jonah Hex movie? <laughs> That is garbage. Don't talk about that. I mean, I will mention there's a really great interview where Josh Brolin mentions that he always wanted to play a character that had a piece of skin that connected his top lip <laughs> and his bottom lip. The skin is not the character. It. It's kind of the character. He talks Stop. about it all the time. Plus, most of the issues, he's going to the dermatologist to get that <laughs> oh thing treated. God. I fucking hate you guys so much. An early Western dermatologist. <laughs> Why do I do this? Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> Moisturize it, Jonah. Moist, oh. Moisturizer, got it. <laughs> so right, hard to keep it on. chapped. It's very it's dry here in the desert. Or at least have a line that's like, I, I'm trying to not be like Jonah Hex. You know what I mean? Like, give me something. Yeah. I am a medicine man, and I recommend you moisturize. Uh, King of Black, Iron Man, Doctor Doom, number one from Marvel, written by Christopher Catwell, art by Salvador Alaka. As you can figure out for the title, this is Iron Man and Doctor Doom. Team it up during... Uh, the, whole, the whole King of Black storyline to try and kill Santa Claus. Justin, you've been very anti-Santa Claus in Marvel Comics over the past couple of weeks. How did this issue I, strike you? I, I gotta say, I thought this was fun. I think I feel like Christopher <laughs> Cantwell is occupying the space of like just good storytelling that are sort of funny but have these like good uh, underpinnings, like the Doctor Doom series uh, that he just did, and. Uh, it was it was such a surprise, I guess. So it got me. Yeah, it was the like the look on his face when they're like, "Is that Santa?" That was really fun. Uh, I yeah, I agree. It's it's kind of insane, but it's a fun story. Um, yeah, I mean, if people love vines, creepy vines, they're gonna love the story as well. Yeah, if you love creepy vines, definitely check out this book. Uh, moving yeah. on. To... I love red vines. Can I still? Is this story oh, still accessible? On, God. Oh, only good for serious? only good for soda. You get soda Just kidding. The Nobody get... loves red vines. Nobody loves red vines. I love Twizzlers though. Twizzlers. Yeah. Now we're talking. I don't like any of them. I want my candy to be not rope. What? <laughs> not ropey. What about you sour ever... uh, sour straws? What about those? Give me a sour patch child. Oh, I'll, I'll eat those. Child. Fair enough. Stranger Things Science Camp, number four. Speaking of children, Dark Horse Comics, written by Jody Hauser, pencils by Edgar Salazar. Um, so this is wrapping up this storyline taking yeah. place between season two and three as Dustin and his new girlfriend fight a serial killer at camp. Uh, spoiler, turns out 
maybe not totally a serial killer. Uh, Pete, you seem to like this. What's yeah, going this on? was great. This is what I wanted from the beginning. I wanted to see how they got together. This is just kind of a fun. I I I just I I appreciated what they did here. They connected things for us. That's what I want when it's like between you know uh, seasons. Like, give me how this happened. They did it in such a great way that felt like the characters we know and love. Uh, I thought this was great. I thought it was like made sense. That it was, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but like, yeah, it was cool. Uh, it totally felt like it fit in the world, and I was very happy. I was down on the first couple issues of this, but I thought this last issue really wrapped it up nicely. Yeah. It felt like we really landed in a place where it felt more like uh, the Dustin character and that he found sort of a new batch of kids to really uh, do a stranger thing with. No. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought this was fun. I enjoyed this series overall. My one quibble is, and this is an impossible problem to get past, but it felt like there is no way that Dustin would ever not mention everything that happened to this comic book series to his friends on the yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. Like he would yeah. not shut the fuck up about what went on here. Uh, the fact that he didn't mention it was like, eh, I don't believe that this is necessarily canonical. Like there's that leap there. Oh, you've, I mean, that's insane. Dustin, the character from stranger things would not be like, Hey, there was a serial killer at camp. He wouldn't he- mention that. Yeah, but this is a comic that takes place in between. You can't go back and retroactively change would, what happened. One hundred percent. Like I respect that they needed to That's do not this. How so they this made works, the story man. Work. No, the I shows already like, came out. I understand logically. You the can't. Real... To, to what be are fair, guys, do I fucking... in between in between seasons of Comic Book Club, I fought a serial killer to the death. Uh, <laughs> you didn't mention that, and I didn't mention it. Okay. You also what happens in between right? seasons stays in between seasons. In between panels, shit goes down, bro. Man, it is. I'll tell you what. It is the never-ending story. That's the main thing that I would take away from it. Justice stupidest... League Endless Winter number 2 from DC Comics, written by Andy Lanning and Ron Mars, art by Carmine uh, de... <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Saw Pete looking at me, and I could have pitched it. <laughs> Pete holding up a notepad, getting ready. Oh, my God. Red line. Oh, my God. (laughs) He just bailed on it. Oh, my God. That was the most Pete thing you've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Is to get get into trouble and be like, well, I'm not going to finish that. (laughs) (laughs) Carmine did (laughs) Chiambedic. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You're a wonderful artist. Uh, and Howard Porter, uh, this is wrapping up the Endless Winter storyline that's run through a couple of books over the past couple of months. Uh, we were pretty high on the first issue, but how do you feel about how this event wrapped up? It's much more different reading this during the winter. You really, you really feel the cold. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Uh, Pete, what about you? I, uh, oh my God. All right. First off, I want to give a shout out, uh, Varian cover by Daniel Warren Johnson. Um, I, I thought this was uh, amazing art. Uh, a great story. The sad Batman line kind of hurt me a little bit where it was just like, 
yeah, the chance to be with your family, anyone would understand. I was like, oh, poor sad Batman. That was tough. Tough little moment there. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was great. It, it's interesting how much Black Adam is the becomes the center point of this story, which I am not crazy into, but okay. that's where we are, I guess. I do feel like we've gotten a little repetitive with the Black Adam storylines where he's like, Black Adam, you shouldn't be here. And then Black Adam is there and he's like, I'm trying to help. And they're like, no, Black Adam. And then beat him up a little bit. I want to see something new for him. I want to see a new mode for Black Adam, you know? Yeah. You all right? You got the hiccups or something? Yeah, I got a little bit of the hiccups. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> it's like, are you getting choked up talking about Black Adam? Like, what's going I on? love him so much. <laughs> Don't pick on Black Adam. I love Black Adam. Uh, yeah, this is fine, though. Uh, this is fun. Like we talked about with the first issue, Andy Lanning and Rob Mars know their way around an event. They make yep. it fun. They know all the characters. It's enjoyable. If you've been following it all along, I think this is a solid ending. Uh, moving on to Ghost Rider Return of Vengeance, number one from Marvel, written by Howard Mackey, pencils by Javier Saltaris. Uh, this is, as we all have been begging for, the return <laughs> of... Uh, some guy who has been trapped in hell and a bunch of 90s characters who escape from hell and there's a bunch of fighting. Pete, I'm sure you love this. Yeah, this was like uh, younger me, this well, uh, you know, like wheelhouse of just over-the-top uh, action and crazy characters. Uh, yeah, I mean, the it doesn't make much sense, but it is quite badass uh, and a lot of fun uh, battles and very gross stuff. Justin? On my end? Um, I agree <laughs> with you. Uh, when they said at the beginning of this issue, Michael Badalino, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm at someone's birthday party and I don't know who it is. <laughs> and that was sort of the whole vibe here. I was like, this is like a ghost rider who is, this is a little mean, but it's just less interesting than all the other ghost riders. So I was like, I don't quite know uh, the deal here. but yeah, It's like heavy metal gross rider, basically. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and I, I agree that it's also mean, but definitely reading this, I was like, who is this for? Who are they publishing this for? Have people been demanding this? I'm sure this is something that, oh, you, Pete? Well, younger, yeah. Younger less, Pete. Yeah. Younger Pete. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It, art's fine. Writing's fine. I want a little more for my comics. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'd, I'd like teenage me would fucking love this. Teenage me go. would fuck over this. Oh boy. <laughs> Speaking let's, of getting a little more from our comics, let's move on to our next one. Coda, Colonel Weird, Cosmogod yes. number three from Dark Horse Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art and letters by Tyler Crook. Spitting out a black hammer, Colonel Weird is continuing to jump through his timeline, Slaughterhouse Five style, mix things up. There's something he's forgetting. He's trying to figure it out. My God, this series is so good. So good. I love this title so much. Um, it's Black Hammer does such a good job of being like. Yeah, we we're telling sort of um, Justice League stories that um, have uh, like indie comics Justice League stories, you could say. And this is just a perfect version of that. I love the art. I love the Slaughterhouse Five-ness of it. Um, it really just it keeps hitting the mark, which is it's hard to do with what they've established here. 
Also, there's a lot of like, I completely agree with everything you're saying. This is really phenomenal. The art's bananas good. But it's also like a lot of really cool things. Like, uh, he stops and talks with this like uh, somewhat maybe homeless dude on on the corner and then late and the homeless dude had a little flower in his hair. And then later when we see him, uh, the weird guy has a flower in his hair, similar to how he did. It's, there's a lot of great details. It's, it's just very impressive. This kind of weird ass storytelling. Uh, I can't wait to see how this wraps up. I love how Tyler cook, uh, crook, excuse me, uh, draws Colonel weird just with this mixture of vulnerability and sadness throughout the book. Yeah. That is wonderful. Uh, we've talked about this before with Black Hammer, but just the way that Jeff Lemire is creating this own universe for himself and his characters is awesome. Uh, so this is great. Also, like uh, the eyeball stuff uh, was not as like cringeworthy as... Uh nail-biter it was uh very creative and weird but not like cringeworthy which was cool uh, and he also shoots, uh, to clarify he shoots a giant eyeball yeah and then uh we get like a tease image for the next issue and the little like little prints from outer space style just so cool great books and that's it for the stack if you'd like to support us patreon.com slash comic book club also we do a live show every tuesday night at 7 p.m to crowdcast in youtube itunes android spotify stitcher or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show comicbookclublive.com for this podcast more at comic book live on twitter and that is it for 2020 we will see you for more stack in 2021 see you in the future it's God. next fucking week, guys. Why are you making that no, big deal? No, the world's going to wow. be different. I'm going to be comic, so much older. We're going to get to download our comics onto a tablet. Alex, just to-